Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank our 16-bit tier subscribers, Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Thank you. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 56 of Retro Hangover. and retro gamers of all ages welcome back to the podcast where we are deliciously delving deeply in dark disputed drivel doubting disturbed dotards drowning decadence this is episode 56 of retro hangover i'm your co-host chris copeland and as always here is your host shane apocalyptic horse dick Dragon Koski. I, I just I can't get this image out of my head now, which I blame you 100% for ah. of just this demon horse with like a fire breathing dong. I just a fire. I, I don't know what to say a, about that. A fire breathing dick with a horse head. That just to make yeah, it worse. Sure. That make it worse. I think you, it you mean just like a like a disembodied dick, like a. Like a sentient dick that's just like a horse head on it. Is that what you're saying? Are not all, or is it attached to a horse? Are not all I'm trying to dicks figure out. sentient? I mean, you you could make that argument. <laughs> I think a lot of pop culture sitcoms have made that argument at one time or another. It's doing sure, its own yeah. thing. It's doing its own yeah, thing. It's, you, you could say, I think, I think for the sake of your argument, Shane, because you mm, are the apocalyptic yeah. horse dragon dick. Horse dick dragon. Yes. Horse dick dragon. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would like to argue it is a dick attached to a horse with wings. Okay. That is that like is the horse. The horse has wings or the dick. The dick. Okay. It has one wing because so, it's apocalyptic. So it's, a, it's a one winged oh, horse so it's, dick. It's 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 a Sephiroth horse dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, cool. So we've spent way too much time talking yes. about that already. Um, Seamus, draw it. <laughs> Yes, please. We we need fan art of this right now. <laughs> oh man. You know, I was gonna say something else about oh, right. Horse stick? The uh the alliter yeah, no that. No, I was actually going to say that I was impressed with this episode's alliteration. It's it's actually a little more in depth and involved than it has been um somewhat recently. So you're 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 returning true to form, so so kudos. Good. I, I I go back to the early episodes and uh, I remember I did it off the top of my head. So I don't know how I did that. Yeah. I have no idea how I did that. I don't know either. Mm. I'm going to say alcohol. Yeah, probably. Uh, one last thing before we carry on with the show. Just I want you to know one thing sure. about Italy, Shane. Uh, okay. They eat. I wasn't expecting that, but all right. Yes. They eat horse in Italy. You can get a horse panini. Really? Yes. That's um. That's interesting. So you can I get. Find it, I find it weird that you specified a panini. Like, of all things. Do you want a horse stick panini? Well, I know where to go to get one now. Italy. Buongiorno! 
Yeah. And welcome to Retro Hangover again, ladies and gentlemen. It's not delivery, it's horse dicks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This is, this is a great way to kick off this episode, especially one where I was going to try to make the argument that it's not uh, a juvenile fucking game, and here we are talking for five minutes about dicks. Yeah, no, it's good. I guess you could good. call the horse panini the impossible whopper. <laughs> Oh man. So um so yeah. I don't even know where to go from there. There isn't even a good segue for that. Um <laughs> speaking so of dicks, just, what uh, video games you've been playing, Shane? <laughs> well, there's a lot of really great visual novels on Steam. Let me tell you oh, about them. Oh yes. Um yeah. Uh no. No. Um uh, honestly, mostly mostly a lot of the same stuff but with one exception, but I will say I am I'm like this close as of well, as of the time we were recording this, the night before, I am like one challenge or or conquest actually away from completely finishing everything for season 19 of Diablo 3, which will actually be the first time I've finished every single seasonal conquest. So I'm I'm gonna be pretty happy with that and get my cool little um Archangel Tyrael uh pet, which I'm pretty jazzed about. But so that I'm also super pissed off at Final Fantasy 13, so I got that going for me. Why are you pissed off? Uh, because Eidolon fights fucking suck. That's why. I mean, that's true. I got home late last night, uh, later than usual, and I was tired, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to try to relax with some gaming. Popped in FF13 so I could continue progressing through that, not realizing that I was right at the beginning of an Eidolon fight and uh, spent the next... I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour losing horribly against Odin, mm. looking up strategies on how to defeat him and still fucking losing and getting so fed up that I shut the Xbox off and played something else. Need to level up and get good. Fucking how? There's there's the, it the game is just a bunch of hallways. Like I don't know where else to go to 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 level up. Are you at your Unless max I just level go backwards too. and get stuff like respawning? I don't know. At any rate, I beat um, you, that's you super it. frustrating. Yeah, wow, that that's great. That's really comforting. I have faith in you. Um, it still sucks, but uh, but there's that. And the the uh, the the one other thing um, that's unusual. So if any of you happen to join us on our stream Sunday, uh, where Chris was streaming uh, Super Mario Kart in, in honor of the release of that episode. Uh-huh. Um, or if you happen to watch it on the YouTube channel, then um, you may have noticed that I said something about sort of offhandedly deciding to download Mario Kart Tour on my phone again. Uh-huh. I kind of hate to admit that I'm actually super into it now. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry this is happening to you. Good vibes. So I, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to do a rapid fire review on it for our 16-bit peer, tier patrons because um, I have some things to say about it. But sh- short version is the monetization in the game is still egregious and terrible and no one should ever spend that money on it. But surprisingly, you can actually still enjoy the game without having to do that. And I don't I, – it could just be me, but I'm pretty sure they fixed the controls and um, – it's it's easier to accurately race your cart now with swipe gestures and stuff. So I actually got the hang of it pretty quick. And I got to be honest, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. So And they have new tours every two weeks. So it's like a new set of tracks to complete 
every two weeks. So finally, all that Tinder training has paid cool. off. Yeah, that's right, man. Swipe left, that, swipe right. You got swipe it. Swipe left. You're well, good. no, I'm a dude, so obviously I swipe right on everything, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I've never. I just swiping I mean, right that's is what I've good. heard. I don't know. That's like the shotgun approach because if you swipe right on everybody, then eventually you'll match with someone. <laughs> apparently, it's like catching gonorrhea. <laughs> I mean, it literally, yes, it could be that. But uh, but how about you, Chris? What what have you been up to? Well, not gonorrhea. Well, that's that's a good start. That is a good start. So we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. But I'm and I've started college again. I got another college class because uh, the winter break means that uh, I don't have any college for a month. And that was a glorious month because I got to get some some video gamings. Uh, but now it's back. So, uh, because of that, I haven't played a game in like a good four or five days just because I, I always sit down and I go to do my college work and I feel incredibly paralyzed and guilty by the fact that I have to get it done and I just don't get it done because I don't want to do it. It's completely on me, uh, of course, naturally, uh, that I have to get it done and I can do it because I've done a bunch of classes, but it's just getting old. I just have so few classes, though, and i got to keep the push-up. But in terms of video games I have played, since our last episode, I have started playing Bloodstained Symphony of the Night. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Castlevania Ritual. Uh, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I've started playing there, that. I thought, you, I thought that was a legitimate, like, Freudian slip. And, <laughs> and uh, But, okay, yeah. That game. Uh, sure. Egovania Symphony mm-hmm. of the Copy Fakanami is it's it's a really good game actually um but everyone said that already but i'll I'll do a rapid fire review of course for it later uh just to to sum up if you like castlevania symphony of the night it's the exact same fucking game with a lot of the game boy advance and uh, nintendo ds castlevania elements attached to it so uh it's pretty much a, a natural evolution of everything you got since those egovanias came out so um yeah go buy it if you haven't already because it's, it's so fucking good it is for the switch though i'm playing right now don't get that one don't do it yeah no, no don't 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 do um that. i also started playing another game for my gamecube very briefly it's called evolution worlds which is a combination of two dreamcast rpgs evolution one and evolution two uh brought to the united states by ubisoft of all people uh back when they mm. weren't terrible uh but that's weird. Yeah, I'm playing two games that are just defined or well, they don't define it, but they do harken back to a day when these companies were complete and utter shit. But <laughs> it's it's not bad. It seems like a dungeon crawler. Uh, it's a little awkward. Uh, I've heard I've heard things about the game, but I'm going to go into it, of course, try to give it my own opinion. It's interesting. I don't see it as anything special, but I've had it on the shelf for a very, very long time. And it was a Dreamcast RPG I wanted to play back in the day. It just didn't appeal to me as readily it should have. But so I got the GameCube version a while back for, I think a really good price thing. I got like on the Goodwill um, eBay page when it was like $4 uh, back when they still did nice. that. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to go through it, see what I think of it and uh, move on to whatever's after that. Probably really river city girls for the switch. Cause I've been really itching to play that. So uh, that's pretty much it with me. Good stuff. All right. So I guess in that case uh, we'll start, 
just launching right into uh, what we are here to talk about. Yes, which is this time around. Uh, according to the internets and YouTube, every middle schooler's favorite video game. Do you remember those sketches that you put in your notebook in school? It's like that. It's super badass, and there's lots of skulls. Shane, Shane, I already made the joke. If we beat this to death, it's going to end up being terrible. No, no, no. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to keep using the analogy because it's funny. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone is going to love it. Um, but in any case, the game we're talking about this week is Darksiders, uh, which, again, is it's, it's just it's so weird that this game is over 10 years old already. I'm not going to go into the entire yeah, spiel right. that we did with Mass Effect, but it is it's still mind blowing that we're there. <laughs> what, us just like crying about the fact that we're fucking old. Fucking you mean ancient. that that yeah. part? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this one does particularly blow me away. Uh, that it's it's there because I mean I didn't play it when it first came out I think you did but we'll talk more about that after we do the au natural experience on the retro hangover which is when we go over the brief history which Shane will be giving to us so Shane please yes take us away with the brief history of Darksiders. Deceived by the forces of evil into prematurely bringing about the end of the world, War, the first horseman of the apocalypse, stands accused of breaking the sacred law by inciting a war between heaven and hell. Dishonored and stripped of his powers, War must return to Earth to search for the truth and punish those responsible. Hunted by a vengeful group of angels, War must take on the forces of hell, forge uneasy alliances with the very demons he hunts, and journey across the ravaged remains of the Earth on his quest for vindication. But the answers he seeks will reveal a deep conspiracy in which War will find and have to resign himself to the reality that although once the hand of God, he is just a pawn in the eternal battle between heaven and hell. It may be difficult to believe that a game with clear intentions of taking on the depth, scope, and production value of titles like Legend of Zelda and God of War began with only about a dozen people crammed into a small Austin, Texas office space. This, however, was the genesis of Darksiders, a third-person hack-and-slash action-adventure game of literal biblical proportions. The story of Darksiders begins in 2005, with the founding of Vigil Games by comic artist Joe Madera and game designer David Adams. From the very start, Joe and David wanted to craft an epic adventure involving the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. The idea must have struck a chord, as the studio quickly became a part of THQ the following year, which, unbeknownst to the team at the time, would unfortunately lead to the dissolution of the studio several years later through no fault of their own. From the personal blog of Darksiders lead designer Hayden Dalton, entitled Hex, Lies, and Video Games, One of the most favorable aspects of Vigil was Joe's creative input during the concept phase. The synergy between Joe's fantastical world building and David's ability to shape them into sensible game mechanics and level designs would prove crucial to the title's success. 
Players of Darksiders take on the role of War, one of the legendary horsemen of the apocalypse, to explore progressively unlocked areas of a scorched earth. Over the course of his quest, War gains access to new weapons, combat maneuvers, skills, magical abilities, and, of course, his iconic steed. Players will need to guide War through deadly puzzles and massive multi-phased boss encounters to uncover the awful truth behind the events that led to War's exile. Ultimately, it would take Vigil four and a half years to complete development of Darksiders, releasing the game to PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 consoles on January 5th of 2010 in North America, January 7th in Australia, January 8th in Europe, and March 18th in Japan. A Microsoft Windows version of the game would also be released roughly six months later. Reception to the game was largely positive, with an average Metacritic score of 83%. Reviewers praised the game for successfully crafting a new IP with real potential, along with the top-notch voice acting and engaging gameplay. Many outlets liken the title to a mashup of elements from series such as Legend of Zelda, God of War, and even Devil May Cry that works surprisingly well, perhaps at the risk of feeling a bit too familiar at times. Vigil would go on to produce a sequel to Darksiders in 2012, along with plans for a comic series and film adaptation that, to this day, are still unrealized. This may very well be due to the aforementioned closure of the studio as a result of THQ's Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing in that same year. Sadly, no bids for Vigil were made during the proceedings, triggering the immediate release of many of its employees. The Darksiders franchise would, however, be eventually picked up by Nordic Games and see both a third installment and a spin-off isometric title. And that is your brief history of Darksiders. Shane, thank you for the great history of Darksiders. I feel like I'm in seventh grade all over mm, again. Yeah, I am so edgy. You better wash out, or you might cut yourself. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. I feel like I, I need, I'm going to go ahead and get that out of the way right now, because that's not okay. It's not the first time that that criticism of the game has come up. I mean, I think that's been around ever since its inception, and that is that the sure. art style of the game is perhaps a little a little edgelord in that like it's oh look at how cool this badass guy is with all the demons and the fire and the big sword with the skulls on it and isn't this just what 13 year olds think is the most amazing coolest thing ever that they're gonna doodle on the backs of their you know school books or whatever um uh -huh. i'm not saying that's an invalid argument but I think it's incredibly like reductive because for what it's worth, a, a couple of things factor into that. First of all, the art in the game is actually still very, very well done. Um, yes. And I'd be remiss not to say that. But you also have to factor in that, as we said in the brief history, one of the two founding members of Vigil Games, the company that developed Darksiders, is a incredibly well-known comic artist. So mm -hmm. it's not exactly a pretty, you know, a big leap to figure out kind of like where the inspiration for that kind of art style comes from. I mean, look at any comic book, you know, mm -hmm. and so I, I'm I'm not in the camp that like this is too like try hard or whatever. I think it knows exactly what it's trying to do. And I think it does it very well. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's it's dark yeah, exactly. And I think. <clears throat> do I think that's a valid criticism? I I really don't think so because a lot of games have their own kind of artistic design, and this game really went for a late nineties, early two thousand metal vibe. It's it's uh like a Todd. It's like Todd McFarlane. Yeah, it's it's yeah from that kind of design. Actually, yeah, Spawn and was like I, one of the first things I thought of. Right. It's it's a. It is a late 90s kind of thing. It's very emo. It's very it's very dark. And I could understand someone our age, you know, associating some, with something uh, something like that with middle school, because that's essentially what we were coming out of when this kind of motif was at its peak. Sure. However, it's it's still a motif. Everything has its own motif. Everything has its own era. And, and the art style and direction guides a lot of games like World of Warcraft isn't criticized for its very bright and colorful art style, uh, even though it's very similar, as you pointed out in your notes, to this game. The way it's designed, uh, the character design is very similar to uh, World of Warcraft in Darksiders. In- uh, incredibly you so. Right alongside. Yeah, incredibly so. And that's going to be a pretty common thread through most of this discussion is just how similar Darksiders is to... Uh, a lot of its inspirations for better or worse. Um, but, right. but yeah, if you, if anybody's familiar with world of Warcraft at all, particularly I'm going to say like wrath of the Lich King era specifically, you know, just for funsies go out sometime and Google search images of your main character from Darksiders war, and then bring up a picture of uh, Arthas Menethil as the Lich King. And put them side by side and tell me that they do not look like twin brothers. It, it's it's an uncanny similarity um, mm-hmm. to the point where I'm surprised Blizzard wasn't calling their legal offices, to be to be honest. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because I like the art style. Like that mm-hmm. like exaggerated sort of like chunky character design with like the giant shoulder pads and shit that some people don't like or whatever. I mean, it works for the game and, and and I actually like it. It does take that more, a little more cartoony sort of look that wow does. But again, you're coming from, you know, the inspiration of a, of a comic artist. So like, of course it's going to be that way. Uh, yeah. And if, if you're going to be knocking on people for saying that like Nintendo games were too cute and too kitty and people didn't appreciate the art style at the time, like, uh, uh, Wind Waker. Yeah. And you didn't like when people knocked it just for its art style and need to pick up and play it. Really banging on this game's art style is kind of doing the same thing. And yeah. I, I think that kind of puts it in the same puts you in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And of course, like everybody came around real hard on on Wind Waker. Probably I, I'm assuming probably around like the HD remake time where every suddenly everyone was like Oh no, actually this art style is really great. And like Toon Link is super kawaii and look how awesome he is. And I can take <laughs> selfies with him and make him do stupid shit. So um one last thing I don't think we're gonna get that turnaround for Darksiders. I, I don't <laughs> probably really not. Think that's probably not. No. Um but one last thing on that wow association, real quick. Mm-hmm. Because I I personally was super into this. But uh when I started playing Darksiders, um and heard the voice actor for war, I was like, I know that fucking voice. And it took me a little while to figure it out, but it is 
Liam O'Brien, who, if you're not familiar, because most people aren't familiar with the names of voice actors, he is the voice actor that plays Illidan Stormrage in World of Warcraft. So um, again, anyone that's been into WoW for a while, you might recall uh, the Burning Crusade expansion and that amazing cinematic, which to this day is still, in my opinion, the best WoW cinematic like trailer ever was for Burning Crusade when Illidan at the end is just like his again it's like super middle school metal as fuck but I don't care because I'm I'm totally into it but he's like you're an adult. there's like lightning in the background and he's got his like black wings unfurled and he's just like you are not prepared and it's just amazing and so that's the same voice actor that plays war and he has those same like affectations in his voice um, so he sounds really, really similar to Illidan, but um, I'm totally all about it. Yes. Uh, the voice acting in this game is incredible. Um, that's that's to be sure. And there's going to be a couple other voice actors that are in here that we'll talk about when we get into the gameplay and audio and stuff like that. But before we do that, yeah, let's talk about briefly when we first started playing this game, because we really had to address a lot of the criticism and elephants in the room just because I do feel like there's a video that came out that really slammed this game unfairly. <laughs> I won't get too much into it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to point it out because generally I, I like the channel and I like the person who does the stuff. So I'll leave it at that. Shane, yeah. talk about your first time. What's your first experience with Darksiders? How'd you get into the, how'd you get into the game? Yeah. Uh, so this was right around the same time <clears throat> that I kind of started getting into things like, you know, gears of war and, and stuff like that. Because as I had mentioned on one of our previous episodes, um, I don't know. It wasn't the Mass Effect episode. I don't remember what it was. But at any rate, uh, I had mentioned that I had picked up an Xbox 360 like super late into its life cycle when it was like really discounted and, and all that jazz, which, you know, is is great for the old wallet. Um, <clears throat> and this was one of the games that I picked up alongside like Gears and, and a few other things that seemed, you know, kind of like essentials to get. Um, I think GTA 4 was one of the other ones. But uh, so that was, that was when I picked it up. I'm trying to recall when exactly that was. If I had to ballpark it, I'd say it was probably around, let's see, 2010, no, 2011, mm -hmm. 2011. Cause it came out in 2010. So yeah, it had to have been at least a year after. So probably around 2011 or so. So right in between before Darksiders 2 came out, but, um, but yeah, I got it for the 360 and because I had heard a lot of good things about it already and the fact that basically everybody was just saying like, yeah, it's totally like 3D Zelda mixed with like combo based combat, like God of War, third person action-y stuff. And I was like, well, that sounds like my uh, right up my alley. And uh, turns out it was. So um, I I played through this game like from start to finish um pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and, and nowadays I don't really sit down with one game and just focus on it like at the expense of any other game, like I used to. And that held true even back when I got the 360 and stuff, I had just gotten to a point in my life where like I started getting a little bit more scattered about that, where I'd be like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to start this other game. And then I have like five that I'm juggling and don't finish any of them for way too long. Conversely, when I was like younger, I would be very laser focused on one thing at a time. I kind of wish that I was like that now, but here we are. Yes. Um, True story. Yeah. Um, 
But like Darksiders was one that I definitely sunk really deep into and played it right through from start to finish uh, without really getting distracted by anything else because it just it really grabbed me. Like the the gameplay is a lot of fun. I really liked the art style, all that jazz. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of my first experience with it. Uh, what about you, Chris? When when did you come to the dark side? Very similar to you, except I got the game on the PS3, and uh. I can't remember why exactly I picked it up. I think I got it in 2011 or 2012. I can't remember. I got it on a I got it cheap uh, mm-hmm. much later after the game was released. And I the thing is, I'd never really heard of it that much. I think I heard of it through Jim Sterling because Jim Sterling uh, made a lot of mentions about it on his channel. I, I can't even remember mm-hmm. that was back in his escapist days or if that was right after he broke off, went to YouTube independently. But um, right. he, he always said he would always mention like Darksiders. Not a lot of people like Darksiders because it's a God of War Zelda clone. And it doesn't do anything familiar, but he said it did it did them both well enough to be a good game. Mm-hmm. So of course I see it for cheap. So it, it looks interesting. It has a it has a cool post apocalyptic motif. Uh, that's 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 really dark, edgy, and you know it, it does it does internalize my inner metal. You know, just growing up listening to a lot of heavy metal growing up. Uh, that's redundant. However, uh, growing up listening to a lot of that kind of music and being in somewhat of that culture, it did kind of really appeal to me. Uh, so I played it and wouldn't I be damned? It was that it was a God of War Zelda game that did didn't do everything as well as either of two games, but it did it well enough. That it was a really fun, enjoyable experience that I just played through. Just like you said, I it was easy to go from the beginning to the end. It was an enjoyable experience. Very, very, it was pleasurable. I guess that's the best way I could say it. Uh, not too much resistance. It didn't, it did what it, everything it needed to do. And it had a really good time. And the weird thing is, again, I didn't hear much about this game when it first came out. I had a lot going on in my life at the time. I was working, I was uh, pushing boots up in Great Lakes or a drill instructor for those who don't understand what pushing boots means, because uh, I guess that's more of a military term. But I was a drill instructor, uh, you know, getting I just recruits. I thought you were a shoe salesman. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> who played football in high school and threw five touchdowns in one game. But <laughs> wow, that's a, that's Deep a reference cut. that. Well, I guess maybe the people listening to this kind of show would probably get. They so. would probably get that one. <laughs> Never uh, mind. Go on. Now I'm just married with children. But mm, mm. but um, there it is. But I didn't. I I just didn't hear much about this game. Uh, like I said, I was I was busy uh, with my work, and so getting to find that game at a really cheap price, just kind of finding it and having a really good time with it. And this again was back in the day, like you said, where I get a game and I'd be able to play that game soon after purchasing it without having mm-hmm. sit on my shelf for years and years and years. My tell self, myself telling myself that I would play it. So right. um, yeah. That's that's kind of my brief history with it, my personal history. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've been kind of touching around the edges of of this, but like it really it 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 cannot be understated how much Vigil like took on when when they developed this game. Um, it's it's impressive because they were a very small independent studio. And granted, they were absorbed into THQ before they released this, but this was their first title ever as mm-hmm. a team and to be able to release something like this 
that has, you know, Zelda dungeons and puzzles, the the God of War combat with combos and that sort of thing, RPG skill trees, like upgradable equipment, um, you know, even friggin' they have a, a rail shooter section um, a la Panzer Dragoon at one point in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, the cool finishing moves that you get in combat um, and even having mounted combat, which uh, even, you know, some of the games that it was inspired by didn't necessarily have. Which it probably borrowed from like Shadow of the Colossus. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, but to like take all of those things and and somehow produce not only a coherent game from all of that, but also one that's incredibly well polished for a small studio um with as we mentioned uh you know a pretty identifiable art style and also grabbing you know some really high profile voice talent like mark hamill and you know liam o'brien and phil lamar um and phil lamar and uh what, what, what was the other one um the one that um played the lead angel he uh god he's in everything Shit, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Should have done but that research. Any, yeah, well, I did, and then I forgot it. But at any rate, um, point being is that it's it's just impressive that they managed to pull this off, and the end product came out as well as it did. Yes, and that's not to say that you know it doesn't have some issues. I recall playing it. It did definitely suffer from some pretty bad screen tear um, at times. And also uh, on the you know original platforms that it was released for, we're not talking about the the War Mastered edition that got released later, but the the OG on the 360 and the and the PS3 um, definitely suffered from uh, frame rate dips on several occasions, especially when you get a whole bunch of stuff going on on screen. So maybe some optimization issues there, but that kind of stuff aside. Say what you will about, you know, the overall sort of aesthetic that it's going for, but you 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 have to at least give credit where credit is due. And see, like when I hear people say stuff like screen tearing and, and frame dips, right? Mm-hmm. So frame dips, I'm I'm usually 100%. You know, I agree. Uh, frame dips are, are unavoidable when they're really, really bad and they plague. They can really interrupt a game's quality. Sure. However, like screen tearing... A lot of the a lot of the visual stuff, unless it's really going to break the game, it's it's not something I've really caught or really paid attention to. And that is a criticism I've seen of this game is that it did have bad screen tearing. The optimization wasn't there. But I really think that's for for people who are really focused on the audio visual quality of their games, Uh, because I certainly I certainly don't notice that. But I do notice frame dips that that's unavoidable. And that does happen with some of the bigger bosses. So that that's a more than fair criticism. Yeah. By the way, um, I was I was looking it up while we were chatting. Uh, Troy Baker. That, that oh guy. yeah. Yes. Yeah. He he's Abaddon in in Darksiders among a couple other things. But uh, yeah, Troy Baker, the man that is the voice of literally every game you've ever played, yes. is also in Darksiders. So wow. But getting back to the gameplay. Um, yeah. Uh, I do think you do get, especially when you get to the dungeons, it does very much feel like they're is a Zelda vibe. If I can feel it, I'm not saying it does it better than Zelda. I mean, of course it doesn't. The dungeon themselves are, are more basically designed, but it's, it, it follows the basic formula. Go through the dungeons, do some simple puzzles, find the mm-hmm. thing, use the thing to get to the boss and kill the boss with the thing. 
Uh, yeah. And, and speaking of, you know, the, the sort of Zelda inspiration too, I mean, it, it's anybody that played any previous Zelda titles, like it's kind of hard not to notice, uh, at the, at the beginning of the game, like one of the first things that ends up happening, you know, you talk to, uh, the demon Samael and he gives you basically your, your main quest for a good portion of the beginning of the game, which boils down to, go to these four different very distinct areas of the world map go into a dungeon kill the boss and collect this like specific item of power and then bring it back (laughs) exactly right and and you gain new abilities along the way to help you overcome obstacles that you Mm -hmm. couldn't get past before like it's it's 100 zelda for sure Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, to your earlier point, kind of about the puzzles and stuff, you had mentioned that they were very similar to Zelda, but uh, simpler, right? And I think that that's actually kind of a a common theme throughout most, if not all, of the mechanics of this game. Because while, you know, again, credit where credit is due, we could say that Vigil put um, a lot of effort into making all these very disparate systems work together. And, and for the most part, they did a pretty good job, but, um, you could also just as equally say that all of those mechanics that they sort of borrowed from other games where that might have been that particular games like main shtick, and they did it really, really well. This game, um, kind of has more simplified versions of, of most of those things. And that's not, necessarily a bad thing because i think that might contribute to what you were saying earlier about how for the most part it's a it's a pretty like enjoyable experience you know you don't really run into too much you know uh difficulty spikes or anything like that and all the mechanics work the way they're supposed to and there's nothing overly complex um i suppose that could be a criticism if you were looking for something with like more mechanical depth Mm -hmm. but you know and yeah i i think that's that's one of the reasons it got knocked by the critics who knocked it is it's very familiar. Um, right. It's, it's not deeply flawed. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with the things it does. It does them very, very well, but it doesn't do them exceptionally. Mm-hmm. So there, there is kind of a, it, there, you could tell there's a drop off from where it's coming from. It's not a steep drop off. It's, it's, it's a minimal drop off. And that kind of goes same for the combat, which just definitely apes God of War. Um, and, and to oh, yeah, a lesser extent, sure. like uh, Devil May Cry, but you could argue that God of War took something from Devil May Cry as well. But it definitely feels a hundred percent like God of War, even when it comes down to like the souls you gain and how you upgrade things. It's it it apes it a lot, um, especially with a lot of the abilities, like the double jumps and the wings and the multiple weapons and what weapons you have. Is the combat as good as God of War? No, but it's it's very, very good for what it is. But you could tell that the way it was designed, you were playing more of a God of War game. And when I say it's not Devil May Cry is even if you play a game like uh, Bayonetta, for example, the combat system isn't as frantic. You still have kind of like the same amount of enemies on screen, but it's not about really juggling your moves in the same kind of way that like Bayonetta is. And Bayonetta is is God of War the next kind of way of doing things? I mean, not God of War. It's, <laughs> it's the next God of War on meth. It is God of War on meth. It's more Devil May Cry on meth, but that it, it, it's slower. So that's why I say it's more of a God of War thing. It's, it's slower than Devil May Cry or or a Bayonetta. It's it's more 
uh, rigid and precise in how you do things. Yeah, it's it's definitely more deliberate for sure. Deliberate, yeah, that's yeah. that's a much better word than what I used. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that you know, funnily enough, there's actually a few spots in the game um, where you end up getting a you know a projectile weapon, like basically a gun, and when you're in like third person shooting mode there's there's times where it even starts to feel maybe just just a little bit like gears of war also there's a little bit of that mixed in there just for funsies it's it definitely aped a lot of things um yeah but it aped, yeah for sure it aped games that did very very good things that did excellent things that at the height of their craft so it, you know a lot of games have done that throughout the years I think I just think God of War is a really good example of how to do that right. And I I think if God of War was judged on its own merits as opposed to how it compares to those other games when it does ape mm. those other games, I think you would have seen a higher overall review score because I really do think it's that good of a game overall. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I think that that definitely detracted from it for for a lot of of critics and I and I suppose players as well that maybe it just felt maybe a little too samey. I mean, I know one of the criticisms that came um, from the video that we will not directly name that may or may not have been released recently about this game. Uh, one of the things that they pointed out was that while a lot of these systems that they've borrowed work well, um, it does get a little tiresome once you get you know further into the game. Mm-hmm. And I and I could see that. I mean, I I personally, again, I thoroughly enjoyed it from start to finish. I thought it was a great experience. And I mean, you can you can complete the main campaign, and I, I want to say somewhere around like probably fifteen to twenty hours, give or take, depending on how much of a completionist you are. God damn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, again, you're talking about aping things from other games, and and one of those big things is, um, you know, hidden chests and collectibles, a la, you know, Zelda, and there's a ton of that in this. And so, do you have to get all of those? No, just like you don't have to get the hundred feathers in Assassin's Creed Two. But did I do it because I'm insane? Yes. And you shouldn't. Do so those you know, no, you shouldn't. You should never do those no. things. <laughs> Okay, so now we know, Shane, counseling is in order, but not every game is like that. I'm sure you'll be okay. Yeah. You'll recover. Well, just till, till, I, till I find the next one. You know, <sighs> so I guess that, that kind of wraps up. Uh, the gameplay, again, is solid. Uh, the, the dungeon design is solid. We said the voice acting was solid. Graphics still really hold up. Uh, the music soundtrack is there. Uh, I don't particularly remember it as being anything, you know, beyond stellar, but, you know, it's obviously not it's terrible. yeah it, it's it's serviceable yeah. like I, I think that's probably one of the weaker points not that it's bad but i think it's just one of the weaker points because it's really just i mean neither one of us can remember a damn thing about yeah. it so that that says something and uh plot is beefy boy beating up demons so if you really want to get butthurt about the plot uh you know you're probably playing the wrong game anyway so shane probably yeah does this game hold up yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with the the War Mastered Edition being re-released for for newer consoles, you, you get the graphical fidelity upgrade, of course. But I mean, one of the things that the game has going for it is the more, you know, stylistic 
art direction. Mm-hmm. And when you take that approach, I mean, that's part of the reason that WoW has hold up, held up for as long as it has. Granted, of course, they've done graphical upgrades many, many times over the you know 15 some odd years that game's been alive. But the overall aesthetic has remained pretty much the same. Um, and you can get away with that when you take that more, like I said, stylistic approach. And this game really benefits from that as well. And, you know, the, the gameplay is still solid. It still holds up. Um, just don't, don't go into it expecting some really deep revelatory like story or crazy plot twists or whatever, cause you won't necessarily get that. But I mean, let's be honest, you're, you're coming into this so that you can, you know, combo slash fatality a bunch of demons and be a cool badass guy with badass swords and it does that exceedingly well so yes Uh, i'm gonna echo pretty much everything shane would say yeah we do i think we do live in era now where plot is is taken much more into consideration than it was back then and even then it was really starting to develop into and you're not going to get that but if you do want kind of mindless fun if you want more of a modern era beat-em-up uh much in the vein of god of war if you like god of war and and that's the game that you really shouldn't take plot too seriously in either uh, i heard the new one's a little bit different again but that goes to modern sensibilities you're going to have a good time if you just like to kind of shut your brain off and just go along for the ride have a good gameplay experience darksiders is your game uh especially with the Warmaster revision that uh, you can get on Wii U, Xbox One, PS4, PC. Go that route. Uh, it's nice and cheap. It's very affordable and probably more accessible to play at this point because I don't know how many of you still have your PS3s, Xbox 360s, and Wii. And uh, yeah, PS3s and Xbox 360s still hooked up. Not even your Wii U's, really, except me because I'm weird. But, <laughs> I mean... If it makes you feel any better, my Wii U is still hooked up also, like right next to my 360. So Because the Wii U is is best boy. So Yes, absolutely. Is it is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh go play it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the direction Castlevania should have taken instead of Lords of Shadow. Uh because this is a much better Ah, game than that. And you will enjoy it. It well, it is, yeah. I I, to be for the record, I, I actually enjoyed the first Lords of Shadow. It second one was kind of not worth the time, but mm-hmm. the first one was actually not bad. If you were to take the Castlevania name off of that game, it's a solid game. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying I didn't say it was a bad game. I'm just saying Darksiders is much better and is a better Castlevania game than Castlevania Lords of Shadow. Sure. I'll give you that one. Why not? Yes. If you really want the real successor to Castlevania, a little bit of a tangent here. Go play Pandora Pandora's Tower for the Wii. That is a Castlevania game. Hmm. I have not heard of that. I may actually have to look into it is, that. It is, it is really good. I'm not going to say it's fantastic or amazing, but it is very, very good. And it use, makes uh, good use of the motion control. But that's a little bit of a tangent. And we are going to wrap this episode up here. Unless, Shane, do you have any objections? No, no. I think uh, I think we said what we had to say. Um, and we've covered all the bases, I believe. So, I- um, so yeah, let's, let's wrap up this thing. So... Uh, as as we usually do, uh, we of course want to uh, quickly just kind of mention the places you can find us out there on the the World Wide Web. So uh, if this is your first time joining us, then hi, welcome, thank you for stopping by, and um, you can check us out uh, at retrohangover.com. You can find us on most of the social media. Uh, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter. 
and our stuff gets cross-posted to pretty much all of those things. So uh, feel free to check us out there and reach out if you want to say hey. Uh, we do have our Patreon running. Um, and if you would like to support the show and you like what we're doing, you can join our other uh, patrons by going on over to bit.ly. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H patron. And uh, you can sign up for one of the donation tiers there. If you decide that you like us enough to go the 16-bit or higher tier uh, route, then you will also gain access to our uh, private Discord as well as bonus audio content and a bunch of good stuff there. So if you like us and you want to hear more, that's how you can do it. Uh, we also do have our merch store open. You can go to bit.ly slash rhpmerch and check out the uh, shirts and mugs and all that cool stuff uh, and support us that way as well. And last but not least, uh, we do our stream Sundays every week, time permitting, at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Inconsistently, uh, for what and, it's worth. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said as time allows. <laughs> But we're there most Sundays, so uh, feel free to stop in and hang out with us. Uh, we usually stream for at least an hour, sometimes two. Uh, and it's, you know, some retro game or another, usually related to whatever our most recent episode was, or sometimes something completely random. But if you don't catch us live, then you can also see it on our YouTube channel. You can look for Retro Hangover there and check out the videos as well as video versions of these podcast episodes. Yes. So, Chris, was that everything? Did I cover all the things? Yes. Yes, you did. Fantastic. All right. Well, with all of that being said, until next time. Take those greasy horse dick panini hands and play with your joysticks. (laughs) 